And good evening, everybody. Welcome back to the Silmarillion Film Project. This is session number 33 of season six. It is indeed our season six finale, the final episode of season six. We have come to the end of the Baron and Luthien season, which has been a long-anticipated and much-enjoyed season. And speaking of much anticipated, tonight we have our uh, what has become traditionally our final episode of the of each season, which is our music episode, where we discuss the uh, the original music that has been composed uh, for the score of season six of Film Film, and we are joined this year by a pair of composers. We have, of course, Philip Menzies, who has been with us uh, for years since, really, since the beginning. You began in season one, right? Yeah, it did. It did. Yes. Uh, Phil's been composing uh, with us for some time, um, and uh, Phil's going to be our our primary help in walk in uh, sort of walking us through things here. Um, we also have Evan Langford, who is new on the team. Evan, welcome. Thanks for having me. Good. First, tell me a little bit more about how you got involved with this. I'm I'm going to give you a little bit more time because people have heard from Philip, you know, already for years. But uh, <laughs> tell us about how you uh, how you joined in. Yeah, uh, I uh, just hopped on board this season. This is my first season of Film Film. Uh, I discovered about the project through the Friendship Onion podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, the episode that you guested on, uh, I was on a very long car ride and I decided I would just jump straight in. Uh, and then getting into Baron and Luthien and figuring out that you guys had just started and you were looking for people in the, the script department. Uh, so I jumped into that first and then kind of circumstantially got connected to to Phil through music, uh, which I is a passion of mine. And I've been really happy to get to work on some things with him. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it's been uh, been fun, been fun having you involved. Um, so before we get too deep in, just a couple announcements. Want to remind folks as we get closer now to our fall moot season. Um, these are the moots. These six moots are the ones that we have registration currently open for. Cascade Moot in Portland in September, our first time to the Pacific Northwest. Middle Moot in Iowa, back in Iowa on the 14th of October. And then New England Moot back up here in New Hampshire by me on the 21st of October. Um, out to Denver for Mountain Moot at the beginning of November. Our second time to Denver and our first time ever down to New Orleans, Louisiana for Bayou Moot on December 2nd. And then Orlando, Florida again for Sunshine Moot, this time in February, moving that a little bit back in the year we were in uh, March last year. So um, those are coming up. And of course, Philip, looking forward to Osmoot again. Osmoot is planned for the end of January. Registration not quite open yet, which is why it's not on the list here yet. But we are coming ever closer to opening registration for uh, for Osmoot, which was so much fun last year. Yeah. Uh, and really looking forward to getting down there to Australia again. You know, come come summertime uh, when it when it when it when it finally gets to summer, uh, I'll be able to come down. Yes, well, you don't want it to be too severe a summer. We uh, can, it <laughs> no. can get pretty hot. Um, I, I this year I will be ready. <laughs> like I, I'll be mentally prepared. <laughs> I was I was theoretically prepared, but it really was not enough last yeah. time. <laughs> and, um, and this and this time it's only about like an hour to an hour and a half away from me. Um, yeah, that's right. Before I had to travel. Uh, 10, 10 hours or so to get to Brisbane 
Um, so so yep, I'm all keen and ready to ready to jump in and and our our uh, Tolkien Tolkien Fellowship that was involved in the mood has been meeting every month and they're they're right on board with the with the organisation and they're talking about every every month so trying to get the word out and uh, yeah so every there's a lot of lot of hype starting. To it build. is marvelous. Yeah, I am. Uh, I am so excited. So excited to see folks again and um, uh, to have another another wonderful event. So yeah, it's going to be the end of January. So again, the registration not quite open for that yet, but end of January is what we're looking at for uh, for for Osmoot there. Um, all right. So music. So just to contextualize for folks uh, who are unfamiliar with this episode, um, with this kind of episode, that is, that we do at the end of every season. Um, so we, uh, we've we been doing, during the course of the season, uh, if you've been listening along to season six, you will know that there have been a number of occasions on which we have said, oh yeah, we're g- we always knew this was going to be a pretty music-intensive season. Um uh, you know, we were uh, even down to casting when we were like, we need people who can, you know, people who can sing and dance, you know, for these uh, for these roles. That's really that's really a requirement. Now, I think it's one of the reasons in the end why we ended up casting Alan Sisto in this season. Uh, really, uh, that's a joke. Um, uh, but <laughs> though I've seen Alan dance and uh, it's not as bad as you might think. But anyway, um, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, we do compose the original uh, the original music for this uh, for this. I say we. I just casually like toss that out, like it's a thing that it's a thing that we do. Again, Philip has been engaged from the beginning. Evan joining him this year, um, and uh, it's it's really delightful. So what we're going to be talking about um, here today is especially looking at some of the uh, some of the themes that would be integrated into a full. Of course, we don't have a full soundtrack uh, for all thirteen episodes uh, of the season, but we do have um, what. You know what? What Philip has always focused on is first when, when we have individual songs, um, you know, like actual musical numbers, especially with people singing and stuff like that. We've uh, we've you know he's been uh, he's been uh, composing and producing those, but also thinking about themes that can be woven in uh, to the soundtrack as we move forward. So we've had many different kinds of themes, often character themes. You know, some characters will have their own themes. Um, we have some more well thematic themes that is, you know, a, a musical theme that'll be associated with a particular idea, um, like uh, like a fall, for instance. The you know when when uh, uh, the, and this this came up a lot. Um, was that a season two or a season three theme, Phil? It was back it was then. Season two. Was season, season two. two. We had we we had about three or four different. Um, thematic themes if you if you want to call it yeah. that yeah. um doom was one of those uh doom fall, yeah. um purpose was yeah. one of them because the elves were it wasn't just about the elves we we did have themes for the vanyar the noldor and the teleri but we wanted to go beyond that and to actually show the journey that those characters made during that season and one of the yes. important ones was was that some people were going to fall some people were going to discover their purpose along the journey, and that was particularly mm-hmm. relevant for the Teleri and why they why they dropped out along along the way. 
Um, and Doom um, was an important one, and that's going to uh, come to the forefront again when we get to the Turin season. Uh, so I'm looking forward to um, yes. tubular bells all the way through that season. <laughs> this season brought to you by the tubular bells. Um, exactly. Yeah, so um, it's, it's, it, it, it is really fun to think about um, as we kind of move forward this kind of sort of library of themes and musical concepts that we've been building is something that we are uh, developing and growing and kind of uh, uh, combining in really interesting ways, right? So, I mean, it's it's a lot of fun to be able to kind of hear that and remember, like, okay, this is the... You, you can hear hints of the Melkor theme uh, into, or the Sauron theme integrated into that. Oh, and here's the, you know, and there's, there are elements of the fall theme as well. And so these can be combined with other character themes or come in at other moments um, in order to, uh, to kind of work that through. So it was one of the, like back in season one, we did themes, uh, again, we, you did themes for each of the Valar. Right. And that has been those have been really, uh, really important kind of templates that we've been able to move forward. And and, and often I know that, you know, times have come up either like a, a, a character or, um, uh, a, you know, sort of a moment in the story where you're drawing upon some of those Valar themes um, or, you know, it'll kind of. Uh, we'll get a like an intervention of you know the themes of one of the Valar in the middle of one of those other pieces and stuff. So you know the yeah, way that these musical concepts are getting woven together is becoming more and more, more and more rich, more and more complex. The more seasons we get, and that's always that's been a great deal of fun. That's that's actually happened a lot in this season uh, as we go through. And uh, the game tonight for everyone for everyone listening is pick that theme. When you're actually when 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 you're listening to something, if you've listened to my music, hope, hopefully you've listened to it. Um, you you may you may recognise one of my older themes that is woven into this particular piece of the story. So we'll point those out as we, as we go through. But I was actually quite surprised at how many how many older themes were coming to the fore when I was imagining a scene. Right. Well, I was I was getting the feeling. Oh, look! I need to include this old theme and, and then weave in this this other theme before I actually get to um, the theme that we're concentrating on for this piece of music. And we'll get we'll talk yeah. about them individually when we when we get to them. Absolutely. Yeah. When when you said all the Valor themes, it was not, most, not quite all. Most. Most. Yeah. So, yeah. And, not... and I'm and tonight will be uh, about filling in some of those gaps as well. Nice. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Well, I'm going to let you, so we don't have, um, uh, we just have a couple, like, so each, uh, for each of our, each of our slides tonight is just going to present sort of one of your themes. So, um, uh, Philip would love for you to kind of walk us through both what's going on in the, um, in the track that we're going to be listening to and also kind of where it, where it came from, how it fits, um, you know, how it kind of emerged, uh, from the you know the story that we've been discussing in the episode, you know if there are particular moments in episodes, all all that kind of thing. So tell us about the yep. the Lord of Waters theme. Yes, yes. So this this one picked up on um, the, the last season. Uh, last season when I did the Harrod theme, which was the frame story. Yes, uh, and, it, and it was about ten minutes long, and it and it covered all of the major elements of the of the frame story. 
on the boat journey, suddenly I had this off and we wanted to show Gandalf moving from mm -hmm. Gondor to the south by boat. And suddenly I was hit with, hey, this is the first time that the story has ever gone to the ocean. Um, right. Apart from and uh, apart from season, apart from way back in season one and season, two, yeah, um, exactly. and I hadn't I hadn't really fleshed out Almo's theme, so so I went back to that one first of all and uh, and fleshed it out even more in this in this particular one. Um, so it's not particularly relevant to this season. It is a bit of a catch up, um, but I am slowly. So there's this one, and following is Varna, believe it or not. Um, right. Who's ever heard of Varna? Well, it's um, very, but... yeah, it's very important, though. The Olmo theme, right, is increasingly mm. relevant, right, as we're going to, we're obviously we're going to need it a great deal when we get yes. to Gondolin and Tour, right? Um, we yes. just had it in, was it season five? The was season five was that when we the got dreams. to the founding of Gondolin? Yeah, the dreams and the, the yeah, 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 the dreams. I have always planned a little piece of um, Finrod and Turgon's dream, mm -hmm. uh, which would feature, that was four, which would oh, yep, okay, uh, it was less four. Yeah. So, so yeah, it will it will be important. And I think what I've done with this is to actually highlight how it will be relevant in the coming seasons because we're going to be seeing the subtle influences of Olmo in the world. He's not going to appear until we get to the Tuor scene, and that's going to be extremely dramatic. But before then, there are all these hints along the way that Olmo is still right. there. His presence is there through the water. So what, what I've done with this one is to take us on a journey and uh, take also taking from the text um, talking about how his presence is in the smallest dewdrop, the, the 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 trickles and the rivulets leading to the streams, leading to the ocean. So that's the journey that the that 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 the uh, that music makes. But then once we get there, I thought, what better than to go and revisit the story of Ossie and Ewanen, um mm. and to and to flesh out that story because that that was a really important part of film film in season one um so so i thought what what, what better way than to than, than to highlight that particular story um you may find some of the sounds in it a little bit disconcerting because i have in fact tried to use as many water-based instruments as i can so mm. the, the strange sound you hear at the beginning is actually a water phone and a waterphone is like a, 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 circular, a circular instrument with a, with a base that holds water and these metal chimes going up the sides. Now, it's often used in horror because it gives a really weird sort of almost scream. Okay. So I want to include that. I also included instruments like uh, the... Um, I think I noted it down, a uh, glass harmonica and um, instruments that brought about the idea of reflections as well so they're the okay. sorts of things that i'm that i'm trying to get get the audience to experience um in this piece of music okay all right well let's let's listen th through it and then you can talk a little bit more about what was what was going yep. on in the midst of it there
Whoop. Sorry, don't know what happened there. Where were we? We were up at Elmo. I don't know why it stopped. Hang on. Excellent. Excellent. I loved the... So I'm guessing that the part of the theme that we were getting there sort of in the last segment after the uh, the Alsea Noonan section, that's going to be like the Olmo rising from the sea uh, part. Like that, that's going to be the, the sort of the musical centerpiece of that, of that moment, right? Yeah, it will be. And it's the, the, the whole thing is based around just four notes um that is sorry there you go Mm -hmm. and held held on and sustained so you hear that all the way through in like right from the beginning it's done on like glockenspiel and really fine delicate um but then we get the the brass coming in um uh, later on, and I really wanted to the the, the the idea of the horns, the horns that Olmo blows. Um, I forget the name of the the Maya that that made the horns. Sulamo? No, no, no. Sorry, sorry. I've got haven't got it. Um, but yes, yes. So I wanted to get across that idea of, of his horns being very delicate and very majestic. Um, yeah, I might have gone overboard with some of that percussion in the middle there. <laughs> I like the percussion, actually. I was going to say, especially during like the Asse section, the, I was loving yeah. the percussion in the Asse section. Um, yeah. That that felt really that felt really right. Um, yeah, there's a sense, of course, in which um, 
like percussion heavy water music seems a little bit odd in one sense right but with with Ase in particular that um mm. that sense of like the the rhythmic pounding like Ase is about the rhythmic pounding right like the rhythmic pounding of the ocean on the shore um with violence and often destruction right so um so I love that actually that was I was yeah. I was I was going to say that, that really jumped out to me but um, but I, and another another feature I'm sorry another oh sorry go on Evan I was just going to say what I love about this piece is the tempo that you have running through that first third section it gives it this very flowing quality mm-hmm. uh, but you break into quarter beats and half beats uh, to give it more of that temperamental feel which, which I really appreciate in this this piece mm-hmm. uh, and for those attentive listeners there is also a homage in there to Holst, the 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 planets, because oh. in my in my it was that first section um, with the with the um, with the uh, oboes. The oboes were doing this, that straight out of uh, Neptune. <laughs> and in my, in, I just wanted to put that homage in there because in like the first time I read the read the Silmarillion, um, I drew a comparison straight away between Olmo and Neptune, and mm-hmm. I feel that he's he's the closest in in in, in Tolkien's um, uh, uh, valor compared to the Roman and Greek pantheon of gods. So mm-hmm. there is that little homage in there. Um, that's that's is, fun. I like that. That's good. I didn't get that because I don't know of, of the planets. I don't, that's one, not one of the ones I know best. So I did. Yep, I didn't catch yep. it. But um, and the yeah, and the yeah. the other feature that I thought I'd draw attention to was uh, was Ewanin, um with the long harp glissando um, right. indicating her her hair. Um, yeah. So I made that a feature whenever whenever she is in there, and you can even you can even like even even if we do get to Numenor. Um, and do the bits of Numenor that that uh, the Rings of Power have not done. Uh, that will be a major feature in those sea voyages, particularly when they're around around the coastlines, and you'll see the seaweed in the in, in the water. Yeah, no, I was thinking that too. I was uh, there are several. I, mean, I was as I was going through one of the things that I was imagining was the different the different kinds of moments when some of these themes would definitely arise. Numenor with Uinn obviously is going to be. In fact, yeah. I would I would even think that when we get to like the central Numenor theme in film film, that it would be. Um, I, I would think that even that would be connected. Uh, in a really like the the Unin theme, I think would be of all of the like other major themes, right? Um, you know, Unin, maybe just a tiny little bit of doom, you know, little little uh, little touch of fall here and there, you know. Uh, 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 but but yeah, no, I think that that's. Um, um, yeah, can you tell that? Um, I don't compose music, but I do cook. And so that's kind of how I tend to think of these things, you know, <laughs> it probably doesn't actually work the way I think it does. <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, yeah. So, um, so that's great. The other thing that I was thinking of, of course, is that I'm assuming it's the, uh, it's the earlier, the first third of that piece. Um, 
that we would be getting, presumably, during the like dream sequences and things with fin- with Finrod and and uh, and Turgon, right? Yes, 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 exactly. But I would also throw in a little bit of uh, Ermo as well. Yes, of uh, course. For, for for dreams and visions, uh, because even though it says specifically um, Olmo. Yeah, visited them. Um, I think any time that we do dreams and visions of any, of any kind, that we need to include a little bit of Ermo's theme in there, and it really brings him into the fall where he's such a background valor. Yeah, um, all, yeah. all the time. Um, the um, oh, I think that there might be one scene in this this current season that may use a little bit of that. Does does Burren when he goes from Doriath to Nagathron, does he go past the gates of Syrian? Marie. Well, unfortunately, I don't um, have a map to. Yep. <laughs> oh, there's, 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 I just map. teased Marie. So, yes, he crosses by boat um, at um, the. Uh, right above. The, the gates of Syrian there, and I presume so, we'll have some we'll have some aerial shots of him sort of him the gates of Syrian in the foreground and him sort of crossing. I, I have to imagine we'll establish the scene using that yeah. very unique location, um, because the there's only three ways to cross the river to the um, west of Doriath, and one of them is a ferry. Before you get to the gates of Syrian, obviously you wouldn't want to yep. cross right there. But it is nearby. So yeah, I, I think we would probably want to see that this season. Yep, yep. So, yeah. But, yeah. so now that I've fleshed out Olmo, I can see that he, he little hints of him will appear in, in future seasons. It was funny. I, I, so I was going to ask... This, but let me say in advance that I'm not sure it's a totally fair question. Or, I know it's a fair question, but I'm not sure it seems actually perhaps less relevant than I thought. My first thought was, would there be a special adaptation of that early sequence? Like a special River Syrian theme? I, th- I, mean, I think of how Tolkien mm-hmm. emphasizes the, you know, the sacred River Syrian mm-hmm. and the, the, the... But at the same time... But then the reason I paused in thinking about that was... But at the same time, the River Syrian actually plays very little role in the stories. Like, it's conceptually important in the yeah. Silmarillion. Like, it's talked about as if it were really important. There are moments when it comes up, like the Isle of Tolsirian is right there, right? So, I mean, we'll ha- we have the river there. Um, and we get to... There'll be some issues with, like, the source of Syrian and, and, and everything. But... Um, but really, the river itself doesn't feature in the narratives all that mm. often. Um, at least not as often as would seem to be justified by the way they talk about the river. Um, yeah. But anyway, but that seems to me, again, if it, trying to capture that idea of the, um, you know, the the veins of Middle Earth, right? In, the, in, the, in yes. that passage that you were quoting in the in the in the video there. Um and the way in which, you know, Olmo is in touch with, you know, in more direct touch with Middle-earth than the other Valar because of his connection through the streams and rivers. And the river Syrian is the, you know, the mm, the yeah. heart uh, of that and really talked yeah. about in this really special way. Um, but and anyway, I, I think I think that I think that is a really, a really 
uh, interesting and clever way of bringing the audience's mind back back to that. So so mm-hmm. so when we're actually trying to deal with the power of Olmo leaving leaving the 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 the, the river Syrian later mm-hmm. in the story, the theme will be missing. So I think I think having the theme every time everyone anyone crosses the the the, the right. Syrian or travels on it is important to just just get that idea of the the music of the Ainur is still echoing through through the water. Yeah, that sense of that sense in which because of the way that the Syrian tends to be referred to is um, um, as this like direct link to Olmo and the power of Olmo. Mm. Right. Mm. Mm. Um, you know, you think of those references of when when the sources of the river Syrian are marred. Right. And like almost power thereafter withdraws, you know, from the land. Um, so, yeah, some uh, this a musical sense of the presence of Olmo when we're near almost any river, but especially near the river Syrian, I think would be really, uh, really powerful and really appropriate. Um, OK, cool. Um, let's. Uh, let's look at the next one. So our next one is Vana. You mentioned that you were going to do uh, mm-hmm. you're going to do a Vana theme. So tell me, tell me what in the, um, apart from the desire to fill in the blanks, was there something in season six or in sort of some of the recent stuff that was happening that made you think, um, you know, made you want to go back to Vana? Well, it was it, it it was about it was about filling in the gaps, and as as you know, not not many people know. Only the people who went to Osmoot, attended Osmoot, uh, saw my presentation, um, and my presentation for uh, because I did the first part of the Ina Lindale, mm-hmm. I had to actually cement all of the Valor themes, which I had not done. So I had to cement the Varna theme, and it was such a pretty little thing that I went and did this. It's only it's only very short, um, but there were the, we don't know very much about Varna. Um, the 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 one one of my pieces of music I will I will actually go back and adjust, and that is the hiding of Valinor, which has the rising of the sun scene. Mm-hmm. So what I, what I will do and go back. I had um, when the sun rose over Path Galen, I had Yavana's theme playing, and the and showing um, showing deer and foxes and those sorts of things. The animals have come out in the in the morning light. I think I will I will add a little section of Varna's theme to show the blooming of the flowers for the first time on Path Galen. Right. Um, but other, other than that, I think I think this is another situation of where, where where whenever you want to draw people's attention to the like the the beauty of this scene because of the flowers, let's just play a little a little bit of armor here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the other things that occurs to me, of course, is that there's one place where um, the uh, drawing attention to the beauty of nature and the blooming of flowers is going to come up quite regularly and that's every time Luthien steps onto the stage <laughs> right <laughs> um, so I mean were you were you thinking in some ways about the relationship between a, the Vana theme and the and 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 the, the Luthien concepts I wasn't necessarily but I think that's perfectly that's that's, that's great 
that 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 is great in um in interleaving that or just if it's if it, because i was i was reading the i was reading the script outline particularly for the meeting mm-hmm. of burn and luthien yes. and it takes place scene after scene after scene uh of course intercut by by other scenes to other places and so their meeting actually takes place over a long part of the episode so i I would imagine a part of that episode would be like just even if they're if like when they have their picnic sitting sitting among the flowers Mm -hmm. you could just play barnes theme at at that time yeah 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 i would yeah yeah it would be interesting to think of interplay between those the two Mm. concepts the um the luthian i'm thinking marie i'm thinking about when what we've called the luthian effect right how like luthian comes onto the scene and everybody gets happy and flowers bloom right you know like and uh, uh, so um you know the the thing which is going to be most dramatically which is going to return most dramatically right at the healing of the winter of Thingol and then, at, you know, at, at finally at, at the, uh, um, in Mandos. But, um, but in any case, thinking about the relationship between the Luthien effect, the effect that Luthien has even on the natural environment and of Vana herself and the power of Vana, right? Because it's not like... I mean, they're both associated with blooming flowers, but it's not like it's, that's the same, right? Um, nor is it exactly that Luthien is, like, uh, merely subordinated to Vana in some sense, that she's like a some kind of subset of the flower theme or something like that. There would be a different relationship between them. Anyway, I'm just... I, I could... I, I, you, as, yeah. as we go on, one thing that I've sort of got the feeling of is that elf magic in a way is channeling valor powers mm-hmm. um and and you'll you'll see that in these ones and i and yeah i i i think that that's that's entirely legitimate that that luthien could be channeling the power of like it isn't may not be her innate power but it is a gift from varna onto, on, onto her because of because of who she is um so yeah i, I like the idea of channeling yeah, inviting the, inviting at least mm. a sort of a contemplation on the part of you know, uh, of, of our of our viewers and everything, just to kind of be juxtaposing those two things, Luthien and Vana, and inviting people yep. to uh, think about that. Hmm. Um, anyway, okay. Um, anything else you want to uh, give for context uh, before we begin? I think I know yeah. sometimes um, in your Valar themes. Um, you've established some of them in a musical relationship with the themes of other Valar that they have um, either a familial relationship with or like the, the you know, the, the sibling uh, ones or the husband and wife pairings and stuff. Sometimes you have their themes uh, kind of musically connected to each other in some ways. Um, yeah, was, were, were there any I, I of the was... other Valar themes that you were kind of working with or connecting to in the Vana theme? 
um, I did have Yovana's theme on my mind as they are sisters. Um, and that was one thing that I sort of established. The, had to establish the siblings, sibling relationships in the creation of the of the Ina. Um, so, so that was one thing that I had in mind. I can't recall now whether whether I actually put in particular reference to um, Yavana, but it's. I think you'll find that there is a sort of a, a similarity between the two, and that mm-hmm. they they have a similar feel, um, mm-hmm. and they're not completely different. Right. From each other. Right. So. Good. All right. Well, let's play this and then we can, we can talk about that a little more. is lovely that is lovely (laughs) that may be one of the most purely lovely of the Valar themes that and very fittingly but I thought that was gorgeous Mm, mm. thanks Um, yeah yeah there are a few things that I sort of want to point out I mean what the text that I included is Almost the only text we have about Valar. I think the only other reference we have is is it with Muriel who who laid down in the gardens of Varna. So we so we know that she has gardens. That's <laughs> that's the only other piece of information. So there was a there was a reference there to her footsteps and to walking. So if you listen to that, it had a very sort of deliberate, regular beat going on with it, just to imagine her sort of just walking slowly and smoothly across the across the the, the area of flowers. Mm-hmm. Another thing that I wanted to do in the in the uh, in the later sections there is that I the instruments 
the instruments sort of took over from one another. It started off with the, I think with the with the with the flutes, I think the flutes and the and the piccolos, and then the melody was picked up by the oboes, and then it was picked up by the clarinets, and then it was picked up by the bassoon. I really I kept it in the woodwind as well. I didn't want to bring any brass into it, but I just wanted to get that impression of they're such short lived. And then another one comes, and then another one comes, and it's right. they're, and they're all different, and they're all different, and that's why you had that sort of overplay of different instruments picking up the theme at different times. And the image at the end, yes, I wanted to show that, yep, the 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 the, the dandelion, the the post flower, to show mm-hmm. that, yep, this is all part of the the the, the cycle of life with with flowers. Right, right, right. yeah, I, I really like that concept. I loved my um. One of my favorite moments was when the the oboe came in, actually, because it was it was you know sort of up very light and airy with the flutes and piccolos at the beginning, and then when we got that the 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 more resonant sound with the oboe, and yet still you know so playing in that sort of deeper and more resonant way, um, that mm-hmm. same uh, that same kind of theme um, that was that was one of my favorite moments. I also really liked those. Um, uh, I was really interested in the the little bits right the little the little interventions of the you know what sound like you know birds or um you know those little i I don't even know how to describe it (laughs) i think i think that might have been the violin just in the the technique of the violin so so there was no no real violin play but i've got I've got sophisticated enough um, equipment to be able to uh, replicate. Uh, so, so it was um, like I think it was a bit staccato. I think I u- used a pizzo um, effect. So, um, or, a ve- or or a very short. It might have been a down a down bow, just so the, so that the notes played and comes off very quickly. And the, once again, that just gives the idea of sort of walking almost on tiptoes, and it's very light, very light stepping um, mm-hmm. as she goes. Um, uh, it, yeah, yeah. The notes the notes weren't legato. They didn't hold on. It was bum, 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 bum. So yeah. very very short. That was that that effect was was intentional to get that lightness and hopping and almost skipping through the garden uh yes. feel. yeah and it's it made me think of like the sort of occasional and almost unpredictable like you know bird sound or um you know like I, I, the image that was on the screen when i was first really noticing it was was a bee buzzing around from flower to flower. And so that was another thing. I was just, it, it seemed um, almost like a kind of um, like yeah. external intervention in a sense, like outside the, the, the flowing of the flower cycles, right. As you were, as you were describing them there. Very yeah. cool. Well, that I think will be a very useful theme. And Evan, did you want to, did you yeah. want to say something? Uh, uh, I was just going to say that this piece, and I don't know if this is intentional, but it, it very much reminds me of Howard Shore's The Shire theme. Mm-hmm. Um, those two pieces really hold hands for me in the best possible way. Uh, and I think it is those strings primarily that, that call back to those memories, but uh, it is very Shire-esque in its, in its theme. Mm-hmm. That's right. I do. I do recall now. In terms of um, Yavana's theme, is very close in starting. It starts with the same three notes of the Shire. 
and with with Varna, I think I um, so it has that same run of three notes at the beginning, um, uh, which which I think Bear McCurry also did with with some of the with with the the half foot theme as well. You might not mm -hmm. realise it, but one reason that it that it felt that it felt so familiar is because you use that run of three notes that we get in the Shire theme. Right, right, right. Yeah, very fun. I think this is again. I think this is a really useful theme. Um, uh, Modicenza was saying that um, we could we could feature this piece when we get to the restoration of the of the Shire after the scouring. Mm. You know, mm. in like thirty five years or so uh, when we get there. Um, but certainly that idea of you know of of of, of freshness and growth and uh, the restoration of beauty. Um, you know, another place that I think would be really powerful uh, for that is the um, the crown of the king statue at the crossroads um, in, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. in the two towers. Um, that's a really important flowers blooming moment. Right. Um, and uh, I think that could be again, I'm thinking about the way in which the, the kinds of music that we would be playing for, you know, the uh we're just about at the dawnless day right and uh we're in Athelion moving closer to morgul vale and then all of a sudden right the flowers there that sam sees and um yeah yeah um yeah oh isaiah i don't know i think it's right around the corner you know i think it's <laughs> i think it's right around the corner well it's okay isaiah you might live to see it um but um <laughs> anyway all right let's move on. speaking of uh continuing to go before we get too old um our next theme on a totally different note and this is the first of our themes explicitly for season six right and that's our necromancy theme so this is going to be uh this is going to be is this going to be involved in the opening of episode one or only when we get to the warping and twisting of this death magic by, by Sauron and Thorin Gwethel as episode one goes along that we're going to be getting this. Well, this is, this is one of those times where I read the, I read the script uh, for episode one. And as I was reading the script, the music was playing in my head. Right. So, so that that's actually what I've done. I have uh, the, 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 the clip begins as as if we are entering episode one right at the very beginning, the aftermath of the of the Dagal Bragalak, mm -hmm. um, and so and so that's that that's the context. And so I've tried to follow the scenes as much as possible with my access to artwork. Um, so consider this as a storyboard exercise. Uh, <laughs> that's the most the most that I could actually do in finding artwork that actually fit. There is a there is a really weird and, and so we go through the scene of the of the spirits of the dead elves rising, um, mm -hmm. the spirit of the scout um, being bl being blown away. Um, and then uh, Mandos actually appearing on the battlefield. So, yeah. so I had this picture in my head of the spirits of the elves dotting the battlefield, and the only picture I could get of spirits dotting a battlefield 
has this really weird blue huge spirit i said oh well that that's mandos right <laughs> that's that's right. the most so so if it if i'm it, sorry if it takes you really out of it but i was going for the spirits on the battlefield look so okay. so it was it was that because that's when the concept of necromancy is introduced yes so i wanted to tackle it right at the beginning this is where the theme originates from but then after i've established the theme i then skip a little bit and we go to the to, to the sack of minas tirith and then and then the establishment of the well of souls um and 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 what sauron and thuringwethel are doing with with the with the spirits of of the dead elves so yeah. i've taken the text from Morgoth's ring um and i sort of stuck to that because nowhere in the script was there anything specifically which said this is what they're actually doing right it was still right. very vague so i've gone back to tolkien on this one um and just and just put in this is this is his what he wrote about necromancy necromancy yeah. yeah yeah um so yeah now this is the one where um points go to to people the person who can recognize the most number of my themes in a in a piece because this is chock-a-block full of them <laughs> it was perfect so, i'm assuming i mean obviously mandos has to feature fairly significant you know it, the the whole the namo theme right has to has to feature fairly significantly here um do, uh, and that's where that's where the necromancy themes comes from as well it comes right. from namo right 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 Okay, so let's see. Before we even listen, who, which other themes would be involved here? I would think we would be blending in um, some of the fall stuff as we go along from the battlefield scene towards the actual perversion. Do we get any fall stuff? No, nope. no fall. No, nope, we This is a really sad scene. Hmm. Hmm. And okay. and as I said in the music commissioning theme, we, right from the beginning, this season needs to be weighing in really heavily on the sorrow of the elder and the grief of men. Right, sorrow of the elder, which and is the grief go, of men. which is going to be taken all the way through the season. So opening scene has those two themes and some other themes. So happy happy people to guess the other themes and all the way through to the end. Hopefully, people will get. And might I just say. Uh, thank you. It's had 259 views. Thank you to the 25 to 30 people who saw it all the way to the end. <laughs> <laughs> because this is actually trying to tell a story. Right. It's not, and I've got to, I've got to reconcile that when I put things up on YouTube, I've got to be able to say, well, this is, I'm telling a story for film film, but I'm also putting up something which is accessible to other people who are not in who are not part of film film so uh yeah it had it had a very quick drop off when people discovered it's not what they thought it was but this is right. this is a demonstration of the themes that opening scene and how the theme for necromancy uh was developed yeah yeah cool all right well, let's listen
That was awesome. Okay, so we have lots of um, um, lots of guesses. I was I, I was definitely hearing some of the the sort of obvious ones, like the moment when the Mandos theme came in, and the moment when the Sauron theme comes in. Um, uh, there was, um, let's see, um, Kanji was pointing out that was hearing the grief of men uh, theme when the scout yes. was dying, yes. right? Yes, yes, that's right. Yep, the grief of men. Um, yeah. Any other suggestions? We also had... Uh, 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 Oath of Feanor. The Oath of Feanor <laughs> came in. Yeah. No, actually, we didn't have the Oath of Feanor. The Oath of Feanor was not in there. No, but the some of the same stuff that got used in the Oath of Feanor. The, the, um, the Doom. The Doom stuff. The Doom theme. Um, Somehow, there's something that was. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. The, the one that um, has the, the... Dies Irae in it. <laughs> I think that's the Doom theme, right? The uh, I don't know. Well, I I actually popped a little bit of the Noldor theme into the, the Noldor. Okay. The the the, the Noldor. So so it started yeah. off with the Noldor theme because that's the opening the opening scene. Yeah. It's, it's a Noldor settlement. Yeah. So that really sad. Ba 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 ba. 
is a really sad rendition of the Noldor theme. Then it moved into the, the uh, sorrow of the Eldar when we saw all the dead elves on the ground. Then it moved into the grief of men when we zoomed in on the on the, the human. Um, and then um, and then once he and then we had the introduction of this of this three note um, this three note motif, which is taken from um, from uh, Mandos's theme. So it's, I think it was a, uh, uh. the Mandos's theme is, is just without the breaks in it. Just, just without the break. Da, 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 so I've just taken each one of those separately, and I wanted to associate that with the with the the, the elvish spirits. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're under his judgment, um, and and indicates those 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 elvish spirits. Um, and also when the when the scout was being blown away, had the gift of a luvatar. <laughs> oh, I missed that one. Yeah. Which is exactly the same theme that we had for the the awakening of men. Right. Right. Oh so yeah, really no, that's great. To use them in both of those instances. That's great. I missed that one. So the the thing that I really liked about them those those um those three beat, you know, the ball, bomb, 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 that repeat. Um, as you said, it was the, it was the Mando's theme sort of slowed down and, and separated, right. Kind of made more ponderous in that way. But it also was reminding me of the Elvish tritone, you know, like the, 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 the I know it wasn't the same three notes, but the yeah. group of the, the, the grouping of three being three repeated together, like yes. that. Yeah, was was the sort of the the pattern of it was making and of but it was sort of located you know like down as low as it was was uh, it, I was you know because it was right in the time when Mandos when we were focusing on the choice of the um, you know of Deadway uh, right whether or not to um, to go uh, to go into the West or not um, yep. yeah. That's right. That's right. So, yeah, yes, I was using um, contra tubers and contra bassoon. So, sorry, contra contra trombones as well mm -hmm. as normal tubers and trombones. So I was really, really adding up a high level of bass there um, yeah. with those uh, ponderous notes. But it wasn't until the question was raised of what happens if we refuse your summons that was the instance when the necromancy theme was introduced. Because okay. it's only the elves who who refuse the call who are yeah. subject to necromancy. Right, right. So that was yes. a point, and I think I think that was a um, that was a a um, uh, I think I might have put it as a cello, a cello playing that that one um, in particular. If I can just find that there, um, yep, yep, that's right. That boom. Sorry. Uh, can't read a can't read a vial clef. <laughs> <laughs> it must be this. 
This is now the necromancy theme, but it still has the bomb, bomb, bomb going all the way through it. So I had to come up with a, like a, a different theme that have that backing of these are the dead, they're dead elves, they're dead elves, they're dead elves. <laughs> right, right, exactly, exactly. So, um, so basically, so you have the Mandos theme basically running straight through the necromancy theme almost all the way in that way. But the, I mean, it's altered, right? Um, yes, 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 yes. And yes, the idea is that it's it's slowed and separated, right? Yep. The Mandos theme. I like exactly. this. Mandos is our one is our one link to 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 dead the dead and and mm-hmm. death. So that was why I felt that he need to be intrinsically connected with with necromancy, um, yeah. and and it's a it's a it's a perversion of of right. his purpose. Right. This, I, I, uh, this piece has such narrative movement. Yeah. That's why it's my favorite uh, out of everything that that you've produced. Uh, and what it makes me think of is at the end of the season. As Baron and Luthien are being summoned before Mandos, that that theme is the association with with this person, this situation that they're about to walk into, and the investment on that with that uncertainty uh, for the eventual payoff, I think, is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, some yeah. some of the other effects that I had. Um, Particularly, particularly in the in the final section, um, with the with with the taking of Tol Syrian, uh, I concentrated a lot on the, on the brass instruments to give it to, to to give it that 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 gravity. But once we moved into the Well of Souls, I then switched over to almost exclusively strings, and mm. I had in my mind the Sorcerer's Apprentice. As and and what I'm imagining here is the bows going dun, 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 going furiously, um, and there's nothing smooth or elegant about how they're playing, but they're really putting their arms into into those bow movements. So that's that's what I'm imagining uh, while while that those final bits are uh, well, yeah, while while that main bit around the well of souls is 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 going. Because I'm getting that 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 sense of sorcery that we get in the Sorcerer's Apprentice, so that was that was <clears throat> a little bit of my modelling going on there. Yeah, that's, that's, and that's... right right at the very end, right at the very end, um, you picked up the Sau- uh, Sauron theme. Mm. The ba ba da da. This is the f- and and I have talked about this before, and I think we joked about this with with Bear McCreary which was I've held off on using the semitone rise. This is the first time that I've Ah. used the semitone rise and it's played by the violins right at the end. We get the, we get the, and then we get a, by the violins over the top of it. And because this is the first time that we've actually seen Sauron, using power to dominate others mm-hmm. and and all all through the lord of the rings movies and that that motif is used by by howard shaw 
in the Lord of the Rings movies. I think it was used particularly well in the desolation of Smaug with all mm -hmm. of that ring stuff that Bilbo was going through with his when he was entering that relationship with the ring. We got a, a lot of that. Sorry, that. Those sorts of sounds and that semitone rise to me is the will of Sauron. That's mm. what I've subconsciously associated, or consciously associated that semitone rise with the will of Sauron. And before now, we've never seen Sauron exerting his will through power. This is the first time. So that's, we've now got the introduction, except for the, except for the Harrod, because that was Sauron in the third age. <laughs> right. Right. I was able to use it then because that's, that's the Sauron that, that, that we know. But this is Sauron in the first time that he's moving into this type of warfare. Excellent. And so on the one hand, you know, it's obviously we're still a long ways away from the ring of power and the real sort of the fuller flowering of this whole thematic concept for Sauron. And yet I think we're going to have opportunities in the coming couple seasons to begin seeing that more. I mean, as one of the things that I think is um, one of the things that, that I'm hoping and here, perhaps uh, I'm tipping my hand a little bit, but I mean, I think it's, it's, it's after this and in really, as we begin to answer the question, which does not get answered in the published Silmarillion, namely what is Sauron up to after the Baron and Luthien story, right? He just vanishes from the narrative. Um, I, it, it, this is really the, the moment when I, when I think he's going to be beginning to set up on his own. Like he's done coordinating with Morgoth now and is going to be working on setting up, or at least maybe not totally done. But anyway, he's, he's getting out of the business of being Sauron's or Mor Morgoth's lieutenant rather, and is going to be um, uh, setting up on his own more and more. And so the, the opportunity to see him asserting his will and building things, uh, you know, uh, building his own dominion more and more is something I think, even though with that, we're not going to get to the ring of power for a while, seeing him doing this kind of thing, what I'm imagining down the road, right? The ring of power is kind of a desperate expedient on Sauron's part. Like it's, it's, um, it's a risky plan, which he knew at the time was a risky plan, right? I mean, you're 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 rolling the dice when you're pouring some of your own essence into a physical object like that. You do it for a reason, right? I mean, there's there's supposed to be payoff for that, right? But it's a risk. Um, it's a risk, and um, he wouldn't have done it if he didn't need to, right? And so I think there's what we need to be showing. Between now, between his defeat by Luthien and the Celebrimbor moment, is him progressively asserting his will more and more, and then eventually that will is going to be checked. Like, he's going to come up on something that he can't uh, overcome on his own, and that he needs to he, need, he needs to wait the decks for, right? That he needs to really go—that's you know, going to convince him to take that final expedient to say, okay, the Ring of Power thing— there's some risk involved, but it's worth it, right? But I have to do it because it's, you know, it's not working for me elsewise. So the slow build towards that moment is where I see Sauron, what I see Sauron starting. But the very earliest stages of it 
in this, you know, in the story as we've been adapting it is right there in the Well of Souls, right? As we, you know, we call that what, like the alpha version of the, of the Ring of Power, basically, you know? And so anyway, love that. Love the way that you are integrating that. Mm. Um, uh, and I, I am just loving the whole narrative thing. You know, we've talked about this kind of stuff, right? We've talked about how, you know, but most of the things that we've done, that, that you've done and we've discussed in previous seasons have been isolated themes, right? But the way you're bringing things together, um, I mean, that was um, that that was beginning to, to feel like a soundtrack. And that's really exciting. That's <laughs> well, really take some exciting. pointers from, from, Be- from Bear McCreary, McCreary because I just think of the, of the, of the, of the scene where the, where the Numenorians ride into the to, to the village, and you get you get um, uh, you you get uh, Aaron Arandir's theme, and followed by Galadriel's theme, followed by um, mm-hmm. fo- followed by the Numenor theme, followed by the Faithful theme, and it's like they're all just bang 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 one after the right. other. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. No, it's it was um, yeah, it was great. I would love to, man. I was having thoughts. <laughs> I was having notions of just wanting to see more, wanting to see more, like how we can, you know, I'm, I'm like a little storyboarding, a little soundtracking, a little audio drama. We could do a thing here, but um, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll yeah. talk about that at the end. Yeah, it would be fun. It would be fun. Um, all right, but let's move forward. Um, we get to Baron and Luthien now. So this is the Baron and Luthien... Uh, meeting thing. So, t- tell us about this piece now. Is this is this another sort of uh, uh, sorry st- storyboardish moment? A, li- a little bit. This is, and um, I, I I was I was thinking of um, Baron's going through the girdle, but then mm-hmm. when I had a look at the script outlines, I realised that. That happened at the very end of episode three, and right. there was all that stuff with him seeing visions of Barahir at the time, and it was all very it was all very weird. Um, and I couldn't couldn't quite get mad around it musically, so started from the beginning of this opening of the scene, uh, opening of the episode four, where Baron is regaining consciousness, waking up in in Dorith, he's, he's through the girdle. Um, uh, so yes, it is very much storyboarding. As I, as I said, according to the script outline, we I think we only have a script outline. We don't have a full script for this one. Um, this what what I've done here plays out over multiple scenes, and in the middle of the scene, it'll go away, and we'll we'll the thing I'll be playing chess with someone in Menegroth, and then it'll go and it will go over to the 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 Noldor somewhere else, and like so, this is a sort of an amalgamation of a number of number of scenes. Um, yep, yeah, it's very rough at this stage. So this was hot off the press this morning, but I don't feel that it's in any way completed. I haven't put any text on it at all. The pictures say it all because this is the most heavily um, artistic work in every amateur, every amateur and professional Tolkien artist has depicted this scene in some form. So I had a wealth of artwork to actually to actually uh, draw from. Um, so, uh, so I've just hobbled together some, some artwork, but pretty much I wanted to get the, like the waking up, the, the, mm-hmm. the regaining consciousness I'm in a very strange place. I don't know where I am. Um, it's very dreamlike. We're in fairy. 
So this right. is trying to get across the idea of he's in fairy, then introduce the sounds of flute in the distance, there's piping in the distance. He goes to investigate, sees them, and then the and then the the, the first meeting and the chasing after. Um, I have brought in some older themes in this one, so um, if you can if you can guess these themes as well, uh, credit to you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. This is this is by no means polished. I'll probably take it down shortly afterwards, and um, <laughs> and polish it up significantly. Okay. All right. Let's have a listen.
Excellent. Walk me through the the kind of different movements of that uh, of that scene because it, it you know I, yeah. I could I could definitely feel that there were you know um, very sort of clear kind mm-hmm. of scenes uh, in that um, I could I could I could sort of feel the narrative um, but I'd just love to hear you kind of talk us through that a little bit. Yes, yeah. Um, I really established my feel of what Elvendon. Uh, yeah, feels like right. um, back that in very back in the light of the West when we had the, mm. the we had the three verses, the human verse, the dwarvish verse, and the elvish verse. And how I've done that is had I've had like random notes being played by different instruments at different places, but I've also kept it very much along the same lines as the athrobeth. Now in the in the athrobeth, if you remember. We had the we had the structure of uh, Lydian Lydian structure. The Lydian so we structure, go yeah, I do remember that. From a major to an to another major. Um, no, sorry, that's probably a bad one. So sorry, that's probably a... so just from that major to major. So that's what I've done. That rocking back and forth again from the major major to another major um, uh, chord. And, and adding in some sevenths and seconds and all sorts of interesting notes to give it some some extra color. Uh, so it's probably very familiar. If you go back and have listened to the Athrobeth, you'll say, "Oh yeah, I can hear that. That that's this, there's similarity there." Um, I also had those random notes playing in the Athrobeth as well around the around the Elvish parts. Um, mm-hmm. So you have you have that that initial sort of I'm like in a dreamlike state, uh, wake what waking up. Uh, when he starts to have a look around the forest, um, you'll hear some notes, which um, is just the beginning of the Teleri theme. Now, I've never developed a Sindar theme. They've remained the the, the Teleri theme. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just the, um, uh, what was that? Mm-hmm. I've just started with that. Bop, 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 bop. And just little fragments of that all the way. So we're we're in a Sindar Tulare forest. Well, and the whole Shoreland Pipers thing from the Tulare is uh, certainly fit very much with. Uh, I noticed with the 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 Diron, with uh, you know the 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 piping yep. uh, that she was yes. dancing to. Clearly, yes, yes. So I did a variation of um, words of mockery for 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 that piping tune. So, uh, but just popped it into into a major key, and it fit really, really well. Um, so <laughs> he's still playing. He's still playing that song. He's still in love with Luthien. <laughs> right, right, right. So um, oh, that's fun. Uh, yes, yes. As you see what I say about I've drawn on drawn on lots of um, older older themes um, from from my works, and then of course so so. I wanted to distinguish, have all that music going on, but then you probably noticed in the scene where it where it definitely shows that Luthien is looking at Burren. He's behind yes. her. She's turned to look. That's the first time that they've acknowledged each other mm-hmm. and 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 are looking at each other. I wanted all the other music to slowly fade and have another theme come over the top of that to say this is an important moment the first time that they look yes. at each other yes and what i've used there is actually the the combination of the human and the elvish themes from the athrobeth ah. which didn't come together in the athrobeth 
Um, I did a, ho I did a long section of the Elvish theme, slightly shorter, so a little bit of overlap, a shorter section. Oh, actually, it started with the first half of each theme overlapped, and they're really clashing. I had people on YouTube saying, the first part really sounds awful. They say, yeah, <laughs> humans and elves don't mix. <laughs> don't mix. <laughs> yeah. They don't mix. But the second half, the human and elf, elvish themes mesh very nicely together. So that's what this is, the second half of the Athrobeth theme. But I've left it hanging. I've left it hanging at that point there, and she runs off. And so we go into that very playful music at that time. The playful music is also another theme that I have used in the path. That was the uh, evanescent lightsomeness, which right, of I know, uh, which is the joy and laughter that ends all too soon. Yes, the evan the the evanescent lightsomeness theme is my favorite name for a theme uh, of all of them, for sure. Sorry, name um, favorite name. Yeah. Yeah, my oh, my really? favorite name, um, but uh, but yeah, no, that's great. That's that's uh, that's 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 wonderful. Uh, sort of capturing the uh, the delight of Luthien there when she's dancing and running away, which yeah. uh, you know I think also has a um, one of the things that I think is very important about that effect. You know, we talked a lot when we were discussing this scene about how you. Um, how we reduce the potential creepiness of it, right? Like we, it would be really easy for the Baron and Luthien mm. scene to look or feel creepy, right? Um, yeah. And for her running away to be accompanied by the evanescent lightsomeness theme instead of fear or dread, like she's not running away because she's afraid, right? She's not. She doesn't feel under threat. There's no. There's no. There's no threat here. Um, it's it's playful from the very beginning there would have a yep. i think that that the the deployment of that theme would have a a very strong effect on viewer response to that uh to that whole scene which i think is really is really important there um Monosenzo was uh was was wondering uh n noted the change in key later on and so like it it, it, it was what it was is that when doom comes on uh, uh, to Nuviel when, when the when the, the the key changes? Yeah, that was sort of a. I only wrote that this morning. That was a that that was a very introspective scene. There there there, there, there was a scene in the script outline where Luthien and Dyron were talking, and there was a bit of doubt as to what was mm -hmm. going on. So I wanted to put in the idea of they're they're unsure. As to mm. as to exactly what is happening here, um, right. and 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 yeah, so so it is. I've switched it from E major to B minor, which they're, they're actually they're actually I think the same same key signature. Um, so they're very very closely related. Um, so it easily sort of slipped into that and makes you feel a little bit uneasy. I'm not exactly sure what's mm -hmm. going on, but then I finish that off with a full rendition of the second half of the Athrobeth, um, Athrobeth right. theme. And once again, the, the, that combination of the Elvish and human theme together. And I've left it hanging. I'm very, I'm very aware of musicians resolving music before time. Mm. Uh, a case in point, um, I'm not sure how many of you saw the the latest live action Mulan movie. 
I did. I did, actually. Yeah. Okay. And I was very interested because I know and love the music from the animation. Mm-hmm. And there are only four songs, but it, they're very recognizable songs. So I was on the lookout for, for where am I going to hear those themes? Right. So right. In, sure. The, in, sure. In, the, in the scene where Mulan, it, the training montage, which is mm-hmm. this time is walking up the mountain, holding the, holding the, the, the pails of water right. with, with arms right. outstretched. It's done to the opening three notes of reflection. Da 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 da. But it's just that three those three notes. Da da da. And it just does those three notes over and over again as she's going up the mountain. And when she gets to the mountain, they do the big resolution of the theme. Isn't that fantastic? And I got to that point and thought, no. She's only just completed her training. This is not right. the reason. Like, it's you've peaked too early. You can't right. resolve that theme at that point. We need mm-hmm. it. And the song actually has a like two two peaks. The first right. peak is unresolved, and the second peak resolves. And that's my commentary on that movie. They shouldn't have resolved that theme at that point. They should have right. left it unresolved. Right. So that's why I've left this unresolved because there's a long way to go. Long way to go for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it you can know, then it's... from that point just hop to a different scene completely. Right. Right. Yeah. No, that's great. I um I one of the things that I was just reflecting on hearing you talk about it and listening to the uh to the theme. I just love the way in which um you and your music. I mean, I love the way in which we've been doing this in film film as a whole, but I love the way in which you're really keying in on this uh, in the uh, in the score as well. Um, that um, the the interplay between the Athrobeth and the Baron and Luthien story, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the way in which the I mean, those two. It seems fairly clear to me that the Baron and Luthien story and the Athrobeth story are really meant to be in dialogue with each other. Um, but, uh, but of course they, you know, they're nowhere near each other. I mean, the, you know, the Athrobeth is off and it's like our own random place. So it's kind of left to us to make those connections. Right. But to really, it's been one of the delightful things. And I love how, we basically use the Athrobeth almost as a framing mechanism for the Baron and Luthien mm-hmm. story, mm-hmm. right? By doing the Athrobeth, the, like the primary Athrobeth action, right? Between, or non-action between Andreth and Ignor in the, you know, the uh, coming up to the end of last season. And then we return to it, you know, at the end in the final episode um, of season six. So again, it, it serves as a, as a, as, as a kind of frame uh, mechanism for Baron and Luthien and, and now the elf human thing, um, uh, you know, um, you catastrophically coming right there in the middle of it. Um, so I just, I love the fact that you're picking up on that and really kind of leaning into that connection so much. Cause that, that seems to me so important, so, such an essential part of um, the whole Baron and Luthien story to really be thinking about those two things together. I think that's awesome. I've also added some voices into that one as well. And I made the females take the elvish part and the males <laughs> take the human part. I would love it if someone, I collaborate with someone, if they could come up with some words mm-hmm. for that, and we could actually get them sung in Cinder. 
You'd be centering, yeah, Bear, would Bear be, and yeah. understand Sindar as well. If we could get some words, we could get some people to sing those and add that into to that section there. That would be lovely. That would be lovely. That would be. Well, let's keep let's keep moving through. Um, yep. So this is. Tell me when when this is placed. Is this while she's in Hero Lauren? So which which one is this? Sorry, Luthien Song of Love. Uh, Luthien Song of Love. Yes, yes, yes. So this is this is the what you would call the escape from bondage scene. Right. Right. Um, but I'm going to add a bit of controversy here. Um, Uh-oh. <laughs> um, so, so, um, and maybe we'll talk about the controversy afterwards. Um, but um, uh, Megan Desenzo is back, our Luthien vocalist. She has she has sung this song for me. So many thanks thanks to her. Um, I my, my uh, I've uh, my feeling on this section is that this is Luthien's darkest hour. Mm. Because she's imprisoned and she has no escape, and Burren is going to his death. Mm-hmm. She cannot see beyond this particular point. And I did talk about this in the in the music commissioning session, where I tried to emphasize the point that whenever we get a chance to lean into grief and sorrow, we need to because, that is that it, it all builds onto it all builds and builds and builds up to the final climax in in episode 13 mm-hmm. and this was the first time because they're they're now separated um and he's going to die mm-hmm. luthien i i could not see given the situation i could not see any way that luthien could get out of this um, and so, and so in, in my mind, this would plunge her into the deepest despair um, right. at this time. And also you're looking for, you did say in the uh, recently, and you've always said that Muriel's death is a bad data point. <laughs> yes, and it's the bad data point. such a bad data point. <laughs> and we've never, and you talked about episode 13, where we get to episode 13, this is like this just comes out of nowhere that Luthien can die in these circumstances. So I've I wanted to, and I also felt that some of the scenes didn't didn't sort of lean into the lean into the right emotion. We needed mm-hmm. to lean into deeper emotion um, and put more on the line. Mm-hmm. Uh, because be, be, because of, and we'll talk more about this, but but um, afterwards, but um, but but yeah. So this is my version of she's in a really dark place. Now I did take some 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 um, some elements. Uh, Rhiannon uh, wrote the script for this one, and she did talk about this scene having um, Luthien singing about uh, some of the great heroes, some of the great couple heroes um, in the past. So I have included that, but my feeling is that. Even though she's she's encouraged by that, she still can't see beyond her present predicament. Right, right, right. Okay, all right. Let's uh, let's let's have a listen. By the way, uh, Phil, uh, uh, Megan is with us here in the chat. So. Oh, great! Yeah. <laughs> so, so she's <laughs> thank you, she's Megan, here, our Luthi, our Luthian vocalist. Okay, here we go. 
Dairon, play me a song. my favorite line um, um, tell me about what was happening musically at the end there in her last lines I found that I found that really powerful and I'd love to hear you talk about that more um, well it was it was a very sparse um, score it just has um, the lute and a, and a flute and the, the context that I put it in was that Diron was playing. She asks, uh, but he's outside. He can't hear what she's singing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've also, we've, we've also established that Luthien can take control of instruments. So when it moves into the darker section, she takes control of the instrument and Diron picks up the flute. So that what, what, what wasn't actually shown. Um, <clears throat> So at, at 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 the end there, it's just a continue. A lot of it is just a continual run. Blah, blah, blah. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Just just continual runs up. So mm-hmm. it's very, it's it's in a minor key. It's very very mysterious. Has that second note in there. Right. Second note, um, adding adding that tone of mystery to it. Um, and the flute just has a little flutter at the end, um, but uh, but but yeah, the, the lute just sort of continues with the with with the same. As I said, the the first the first verse is is major. Actually, it changes to minor when she says, "Our fates our fates are twined." Right. Yeah. That's 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 where everything changes. Our fates are, are, are twined together. Um, yeah. So, I was feeling so that. 
Yeah, that's that's. I was feeling the the shift to minor uh, and the the sort of the general descending, uh, you know, trend of the of the melody uh, there at the end. Um, and it's when she talks about their fates being entwined. Yes, right. yes, that's that's where it changes. She goes through the the the, the um, Ossian, Uinen, um, yep. Nessa, yep. and Tolkis, um, Tilian, and Arian. Uh, so I want to include those as being important. Um, icons and remembering those, uh, but but uh, but 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 yeah, it had to have a very um, it had to yeah sort of decline and almost mm-hmm. sort of fade away at at the at the very at the very end. One right. thing that you may find interesting is that uh, the flute part is Nienna's theme. <laughs> I miss that. Nice. Well, it's a long time since since I think anyone's listened to Nienna's theme, um, but I wanted to emphasise the grief that, and it's not the sorrow of the Eldar, it's not the grief of men, it's just grief. Um, so, in a way, this is where she's channeling Nienna, um, mm-hmm. and Nienna is providing an avenue for her to express express her grief, and her theme comes to the fore, um, at least in in the in in, in the background there. That's really interesting. Um, yeah, and thinking about that, kind of sort of the pivot point being their faiths being entwined there. And that's, of course, not only what is sort of leading her towards grief and through grief death in that moment, right? But also it's is the thing that that Thingol has totally failed to understand, right? You know, the idea that he thinks he can get rid of Baron and then Luthien will be okay, right? Or he thinks he can keep them apart and that that will solve something and, and again, preserve her from danger, right? But he's not. The fact that they're, they they really are intertwined in that way already um, is the thing that he doesn't understand. And so that that being the really pivot point, um, the real pivot point, I think is... Uh, it's great. Mm-hmm. Wonderful job, Megan. I loved I loved it. Uh, I lo- it's, uh, yeah, yeah and that was beautiful. It did, it did, and I agree with you, the, the, the line, I will not live in grief, yes. is, to me, was really crucial, and it raised the question, well, what happens when, when a human experiences grief? We, we live with it. We, we, yeah. we live with grief. So... It was that point that made me say, "Well, she's she can't live with it." So, so follow, and I think this will be an interesting conversation to have at an, at another time. Which is, yeah. what is it about the psyche of elves that means that they cannot live in a state of grief? And you've touched on this in episode script thirteen discussion about it's wrapped up in their memory and how their mm-hmm. and how their memory works. Uh, and so that was the important, the other important line was, um, and memory, all that I have left. Right. To, right. to, em- to emphasize that, that, that the grief is, is, is uh, wrapped up in, the, in, in, the, in, the, in that memory and, the, and, and being all, all, all that she has. So um, I, I know yeah. you said that some of your choices were, you know, potentially controversial in the sense that yes. they might not have aligned perfectly with other people were thinking. But yes. I don't think that you went too far Mm-mm. with the concept either. of grief and despair at this point in the story. As long as we're pointing to episode 13 and like foreshadowing where it's coming from and setting things up, I think we're all yeah. good. And some of the choices with the ambiguous, 
ambiguity of the words allowed for multiple interpretations. So how much of this is despair and how much is hope? The, you know, I will not live with grief. Does that could mean you're not going to or you're yes. not going to live? <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. It could go either way. Yeah, agreed. Right. So I feel That's like what I liked about have, it, yeah. Yeah, you have put some things on the table, but mm. not committed to Luthien is now like suicidal or something, right? right. So I, I, I feel like while you leaned hard in that direction, you didn't go too far with it. Right. For what I, mean, I, I, I think it's a for a couple reasons, a perfectly valid thing to be showing her wrestling with in this moment, especially since, of course, it is a setup for episode 13, but it, it yeah, it, it's going to correspond to her, um, you know, her, her actual death of grief later on. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the fact, the fact that it happens now yeah, in, in the tree, yeah. And she finally dies at the tree. And at that point, Hiralorn is powerless to do anything to, to yeah. stop it. At this, at this point, Hiralorn can set her free. Yeah. Yeah. But at that point in episode 13, Hiralorn is absolutely powerless, which will add more grief to that song when I get to write it. <laughs> and yeah. I think the, the really important thing that you've done uh, in the ways that you've changed it from what we've talked about is take luthien's perspective and make it personal so that she is coming from her own experience her depth of feeling uh and just expositing uh what's inside of her and i think that that's really important so very well done yeah excellent this is actually a very busy episode this is episode five i think we've got three three songs in episode five yes yes yeah, because we have the Hero Lauren, the song to Hero Lauren as well, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So we're at the Silmaril poem now. Hey, Evan. All right. Evan's up. Yeah. Evan, hey tell me about the Silmaril poem. We're going to step out of the subtle brush strokes of Phil's work uh, and into <laughs> the heavy handed large swings <laughs> of my own. <laughs> Uh, this poem came about, uh, entirely by accident, um, uh, and through a misunderstanding on my part in, uh, the episode one script, I had just come on to the writing team. Uh, and there's a section where Finrod is talking to a dwarf named, uh, Zirok and, they're discussing elven jewels and how they come to be and and the silmarils uh come up and there's this little paragraph that finrod speaks and uh marie left a comment that just said more poetry needed with periods (laughs) me being the person i am i took that extremely literally and i (laughs) wrote this poem uh, and I just put it in as a suggestion, uh, and uh, Marie very kindly pointed me in the correct direction uh, and shared that material with Phil. Uh, and I had assumed that, that was as far as it would go. Um, later down the line, I had approached Phil about uh, singing uh, on various pieces this season. Uh, and one of the things that that he had indicated to me was if I wanted to take a crack at this, I could do that. 
so I spent a couple weeks playing around with it. Uh, and eventually what I sort of settled on uh, was just me sitting with my guitar uh, and sort of absentmindedly picking away a little three chord uh, uh, progression. And that was my feeling behind this poem is it's almost absent-minded uh finrod sort of processing and expositing uh about the silmarils what they mean uh from the perspective of someone who has uh lost a lot uh right. almost second hand to the the pursuit of the silmarils so that's sort of the context great great okay all right let's uh let's listen Awesome. Wow. Thank you. Wow. Um, uh, one really yeah. important shout out uh, uh, is after I had written the first draft of the poem, uh, Dylan uh, on the script team came in and salvaged uh, 
some semblance of a meter from what I had written uh, <laughs> and re rewrote uh, what I had done and, and vastly improved it. So huge kudos go to him for, uh, for the work that he did on this piece. Very cool. Very cool. Very cool. So, um, yeah. yeah, this sort of got landed in my lap. <laughs> so, this is fantastic. It's a great, it's a great poem. You guys, you, you guys wrote something that I could never write. Um, one, uh, wonderful song, Evan. I didn't have time to, to get around. I, this was probably around the time that I was busy writing my uh, musical paper for Ozmoot. Uh, so I didn't, I, I didn't have any time to, to invest. So Evan, once again, Evan just laid this song in, in my lap and it was, wow, this is, and so we had to do a little bit of back and forth to work out well, what's the context of it. Um, we early on, we worked out that it was from Finrod's point of view. So, okay. Finrod's point of view, how does that fit into the story? So I messaged um, Nick back and forth. Well, what's what important scenes does does Finrod have? Um, and we landed in episode five mm. when Burren goes to Nagothrond and mm. requests his help. So then, when we had a context, it was like, okay, so what is Finrod grappling with at this time? Oh, he's got Burren there. He's got uh, Kirin and Kirifin and Kirina there as well. There's a whole lot of stuff going down what he he has to decide what to do so we put it in that frame this is and what how it ended up is that this song becomes the crisis point the the, the crisis point for this episode so there are two crisis points the one in nagothrond where where finrod makes his decision to support Beren, and also in luthien's story and her and her escape so we've done Luthien's Luthien with Hirolorn. We've gone over to Nagathrond. We're seeing what's going down there. So that was that was the frame that I had to sort of put it in. Um, so I linked it so closely with the Oath of Feanor because, and even though this was the biggest criticism that I got, that I got on on YouTube was then I didn't swear the oath. Like, yeah, I know, I know. Okay, can you just, just ratchet it down a little bit, please? Um, yes, that is true. But it was a consideration. It was a huge consideration. He had those, he had the two brothers yeah. under his roof. Finrod did, in fact, swear an oath, <laughs> which is That's what right. his dilemma is at this point, is that he's got his own oath and the oath of the sons of Feanor. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So I've tried to, I've, we've tried to weigh, weigh up the two. And, and yeah, Evan, it's just sort of, yeah, with your co conversation with you and with other people, it's sort of really fit into this time where, where Finrod is grappling with all of the issues. Now, now what I've done, one, once again, with the, with, I've sort of departed in, in the next one, the, the next one, because Finrod's dilemma is actually the, the, like the full cinematic version of Evan's song. And Evan is now our Finrod vocalist. So Evan will be coming back next season for the song battle. Excellent. So next, not, late, late, later on for, later for the on. song battle. Excellent. Later Excellent. Um, uh, yeah. So this gets gets put into episode five. So we're going to get the hero. We're going to get the hero Lauren song and this in the same episode. Wow. Yep. 
Yep. Yeah, wow. but, but but Finrod doesn't sing it. It's just something that plays. It's ba- a little bit like um, Arwen's song that's played in the Houses of Healing in okay. the to, in the Return of the King. It's that kind of music. It's just playing in the background, um, but you know that something's going on. Uh, he's grappling with these issues, and the song is a representation of what of what those issues are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very cool. Neat. Okay, let's let's keep moving because I know it's we're getting uh, we're yep. getting later and later. So <laughs> that's we're what to do that we had last time. <laughs> exactly, I know exactly. Um, okay, let's listen to Finrod's dilemma. Well, actually, no. Wait, first, I know you've done a little bit of setting up of Finrod's dilemma. Anything further that you want to say uh, to contextualize it before we listen? Uh, starts with the fall. You wanted the fall, starts with the fall. Starts with the fall. (laughs) All right. All right, let's listen.
shed by stone for fate and curse and iron crown for light with hell on darkest throne then all the world would surely Okay, so that's how it gets set in in episode five. Wow. Yep, yep. There's there's a scene there's a scene where where Finrod has has had everyone's ear, and then he goes into his rooms alone, and it would be playing over over that, and he could tinkle on the on the on his lyre or harp while while he's at it, mm-hmm. if, we, if we wanted to, him to do that. But really, as you see, the musically. I've made like it builds to a crescendo, like purely internal, internal, with yes. that with that middle middle bridge section there, um, where where you see all those images flashing with the with 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 the oath, the the kin slaying, the burning of the ships, the oath to Barahir, Baron turning up. They're all flashes of scenes that we've seen before, and at that point he makes up his mind. He and I take it as being the final line. Um, the final line, which we, which I think is, um, um, unless the world drowns. So, mm-hmm. so my interpretation is, he's not going to let the world drown. He's going to do the right thing. Like his right. mind's made up by that stage, and that's why I cut straight to the scene with him taking the crown off, mm-hmm. because after he's made that decision, we don't need anything else. We need okay, let's action that that decision. Right. Right. Yeah. Um yeah. Tell me about the that again that 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 building almost sort of chaotic crescendo in the bridge there in the middle. I'd love to hear more about that. That just all get you were talking about that some just now I know Phil. But it's just it's like musically how all of that was kind of coming together there at the same time. Okay. So we've got the we've got the same um Sort of um, a chord structure as the as the oath of Fainor, and you know it started with the oath of Fainor. There were six six vocal parts because we've lost one son already. Drop we've dropped one vocal part out in this in this version of it. So, so the middle section, yes, yeah. yes, yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly. So this middle section has a few things going on there. We've got um, we've got a couple of instruments that continue to play. Um, the the song that that Evan was singing, so so a couple of instruments picking up the up the melody line, melody line. Da, 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 da. So we've got that going. Um, we've got the chords going in the background, which are, which I multi-tracked harmonies there, and it's, it's the same as as I said, same as the oath of fame or chords. And then on top of that, you might have recognised the. Morgoth's triad mm-hmm. is playing in the background and that mm-hmm. gets louder and louder and louder and builds and that's that's one large part of the building of that of that section. Mm-hmm. Because Morgoth, once again, Morgoth is in the background of, of all of this. He's not just thinking about these two things, he's also talking, yeah. thinking about the Dark Lord. <laughs> yes. Inescapably. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
That was, um, that yeah, was yeah, wonderful. yeah. And I think I had, I had, I had starting off with, um, with um, double basses, uh, contrabasses, then then uh, cellos coming in, then violins coming in, then second violins coming in, then then and by the time we get to the to the to the first and second violins, they're just going bump, bump, bump. <laughs> they're just adding emphasis to it rather than the the others are doing the bump, 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 and with more and more instruments adding in volume until they're, they're, they're triple F. I'm looking at the score. They're triple F by the time they get to, to, to that to that last bit. Right, right. I I just love how well uh, Phil your orchestration on this piece lends to expanding the scope of what this quest means, uh, because it's easy to get sort of zeroed in on Baron and Luthien and and it's their love story and. The fact that it's a Silmaril is just circumstantial. Uh, but then to really expand that and say, no, there's so much more. There's so much history that's coming from this. Uh, I really, really loved getting to participate in this. No, One but, of the and, things... And, you, go ahead, go and, ahead, Phil. And, 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 and I must say, I must say thank you, Evan, because um, this... Um, this this song is now had the second highest number of views apart from the oath of Feanor. So, he, so the oath of Feanor is um, up to twenty seven thousand views, and um, this one is, including Bear McCreary. <laughs> um, this one is six six point three thousand views. Yeah. So that yeah. that is absolutely fantastic. Um, and there's been really good engagement with the Tolkien community on this one as well. I think they really appreciate the the lyrical nature of of the song, um, and the and the vocals as well. Um, but yeah, it gets, it's had a lot of lot of good in, good engagement. So so, thank you, Evan, for <laughs> for for such a gift. <laughs> and thank you to all 37 people who watched it all the way through. <laughs> <laughs> No, more than more people than that watch this one all the way through. <laughs> but no, it was I, I. One of the things that I was really loving there, and I, I just, it was you know one of those things where I'm like I have to I have to listen to this several more times. But um, the interplay, the taking the the Silmaril poem that you wrote, Evan, and then juxtaposing it with the Oath of Thanor was really amazing like that was that was really powerful and that's that's like the bit i need to listen to and think about um a lot more both how um you know the sense of doom that it gives i mean both of them really were sort of influencing the other when you take those two things together right both the the oath of Feanor was you know kind of <sighs> casting a little bit of a pall right over the Silmaril poem, which is when, when, which when taken on its own, like we were just listening to it before, doesn't have that sense of doom, you know, that the, the Oath of Feanor does. And yet also the Oath of Feanor, um, sounds different, feels different in the context, uh, when juxtaposed with this, with the, with your Silmaril poem there, because it's so easy for, um, at least I find it's so easy when thinking about the oath of when thinking about Feanor generally and the oath of Feanor in particular to focus entirely on the possessiveness, you know, on the sort of the attitude of Feanor and away from the thing that he's focused on, 
right? Like that, which is, you know, doesn't fully justify it, but is like legitimately, you know, uh, uh, you know, arresting in these ways. Anyway, as I say, I find both of them really informing each other in really interesting ways. So that was one of the things that I was uh, uh, was really excited about with them. Um, uh, another another this. musical thing about this is that I it it had to feel very intimate mm-hmm. because this is this is Finrod and his innermost thoughts um, about his situation. So so the, the the bits during the verses is a string quartet. So so it's really two violins, a viola, and a cello mm-hmm. plus plus the harp. And that, in a way, the harp is also representative of Finrod's voice. So I wanted to I wanted to bring that intimacy of having a really small, really small number of instruments. But when we get to the when we get to the bridge section, the full orchestra comes in, particularly with Morgoth's triad. We've got mm-hmm. we've I think I've I've added all the strings in, but then it pairs back down to just the quartet for for the final section. Okay, yeah, very cool, excellent. Okay, well, let's. Um, we're on to Luthien's Luthien's magic spell is next. This is the uh, this is the hair growth spell. Um, uh, so this is again episode five. Yes, right. Yes, in the in the fully musical episode five. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Now this this one musically. The, the 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 trouble the thing that I'm grappling with is how do I not turn season six into a musical? That and we've talked we talked about that in the in the music and so the question really is how hard do you with. try? You know, like it's <laughs> <laughs> so in this one in this one the music is completely magical. Mm-hmm. So there are no there's there, there there's like we haven't we're not relying on dire on down there i think there's a scene where he leaves the stringed instrument leaning against the wall so so that can we can see the we can see the strings plucking of mm-hmm. that during this but all of the other instruments so so there's 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 celeste which is um uh john williams favorite instrument for harry potter like the mm-hmm. harry potter theme da, 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 da. that's a celeste Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're talking about all of these instruments, glockenspiel, harp, uh, which which have a lot of baggage with them anyway, and that is that, that they are readily associated with magic in our musical worlds already. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So entirely magical. Um, and so once again, this tells the entire story. So the, the, the end bit is truncated um, and would not be how the, how the actual episode would play out, but... For the purposes of this, we needed to get Luthien out of the treehouse and and out of Doria. Okay, so that's right. that's how right. far it goes. So, just to, in fact, the last four numbers that we've been listening yeah. to are all from episode five. <laughs> just, just just to clarify, yeah, yeah. I think okay. um, actually, actually, I must admit, I think uh, Alana Alana called me up. And said she was writing the, the the script for episode five, and uh, and so we, we we talked and chatted and collaborated. So a lot of these ideas came to me during during that during that chat. Um, so 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 that's probably why this yeah. episode is quite, quite, oh, that's wonderful. Heavy. That's wonderful. All right, let's listen to Luthien's magic song. 
once again, Megan. with Gerard Curry there that Megan that did sound like a really difficult song to sing you did a beautiful job with that uh, it sounded very very challenging um, uh, I love so the, the the lyrics are basically straight out of the tale of Tenuvio in the book of lost tales right yes kind of love the fact that all of the like totally inexplicable references like the giant of Gilliam and, and all that stuff are still there. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. adds, adds depth. Adds depth to the world. All these it does. It does. About. It's sort of like being like, okay, internet chat boards, like go to work. <laughs> Figure <laughs> out what the heck this means because we don't even know. Nobody knows. Yeah. No, that's that was fun. That was, <laughs> that was fun. Um, was was it? I mean, that sounded like most or all of it. The the actual spell, the from the tale of Tinuvio. That is was what was the whole thing. 
Yes, yes, I'm pretty sure it was. It was pretty much from taken uh, just just a um, just a few sort of minor changes to make it fit with the with mm -hmm. with, with, with the timing, um, correct. Uh, but the, but but yeah, I wanted to get across sort of all of the elements that went into it. So so probably the and I know that um, uh, the like the storyboard that Catherine did uh, had uh, lots of time spent with her actually weaving. Um, so that would was basically covered by the la 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 sections, right. and so she would just la 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 her way through through most of most of those scenes through, through the weaving montage. It. Yeah, yeah. They're very, very much a montage. We don't need too much weaving um, to, to be actual actually shown. <laughs> um, right. The goal was to portray magic. So yeah. I, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Exactly. So there's um, there's 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 a lot of reverb on her um, on her voice as well, and I've added them in various various uh, degrees. Uh, probably I might have gone a bit overboard with the with the final one there. But um, but it was um, um, and there was one section in the in that middle section uh, which I think I came up with myself um, instill virtue from all living creatures mm -hmm. and related it to her and little little um, uh, mention there of foreshadowing of Huan's involvement um, pup to hound right right the dog reference babe, yep, babe to yep. lasso I just wanted to put that that, that reference in there as a little as a little uh, Easter egg. Um, and um, the, I think yeah, I think that was the only the, the only part that I added. But I wanted to get across the like the, everything that went into making this spell, um, and uh, and that it was sort of an enchantment and needed magical ingredients um, to 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 actually go into it. I yeah, I didn't really didn't really show a lot of time with the actual hair growing, and I think 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 the hair gro hair growing and the weave cutting and the weaving, and then could be done in like ten seconds or something like that. Can be right. done in a very very short amount of time. Um, right. But as I said, the instrumentation is right up there in the in the high registers. Um, use um, violin harmonics as well. I quite like that. Uh, but it's when the it's when the violin player doesn't press down the string all the way to the to the board, but they actually mm -hmm. put their finger on it lightly, and it gives a really high pitched. Um, it's a it is a much harsher sound. It is the same note, it is the same note, but it has a definite quality to it. Let's let's <laughs> let's let's say. Right. Um, so right. often you often get that in in like it's a mysterious scene. You'll get the just the one note, the high pitch. Right, right, right. right. Um, so I've used use those, um, and just just a lot of little sort of moving around of the notes, in that they're not there there aren't uh, lithians doing big jumps. The la 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 la, but the notes are just by the instruments are just sort of moving around a little bit just to get the feeling of there's a lot of intricacy going on here in 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 this spell in what's what's happening in, in front of us right right and yes Very thank good. you thank you megan i know that was an extremely challenging song <laughs> <laughs> well i did i didn't make it as challenging as it could have been <laughs> <laughs> that's right could have made it okay it could have been worse yeah it could have been harder <laughs> That's good. Yeah, Megan, that was that was wonderful. That was that was delightful. Yeah. And in the in, in the middle section I tried to get across that there was an exertion of power of power going on here. And that was where we had the lower stringed instruments come in. 
and um, it, it got uh, higher in volume, volume increased during that bit. Um, and also Megan gave me two takes. So Megan, that, that bit actually has both of your takes um, in it in it so to sort of once again to get the, across the idea that there's a real exertion of power going on at this right. at this point right excellent and and the other thing we've channeled a valor did you see at the very end there there was Wait, very uh, short there was a picture of Estée the gentle oh right 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 so she's channeling Estée's power of sleep of sleep into right. this, yeah, yeah. So, and I, this, this, this is how I envisage the the magic working: is that it's, is that is, is that connection to to that higher power, and it is channeling channeling that that power into mm. what what they're actually doing, and yeah. that's their ability. Humans don't have the ability to touch the valor, but I believe that the elves do. Well, of course, by doing this through musical themes, right? I mean, it's almost. Uh, like an explicit interpretive move, right? I mean, the yeah. music of the of the Ainur established the world, right? And the song of Este is the song of sleep. Like that's the, you know, that the element of the world as it's woven from the song. So the idea of touching on the Este theme being something almost like the mechanism of how the magic works. Yeah. You know, really, really. I mean, it's one of those things that just works in a really beautiful um, and totally nonverbal way uh, in that way, which I think is really awesome. Yep. yep. Yeah. And which is probably a good segue into um, into Finrod's disguise spell, which yes, musically is very similar to and happens in the next episode. So this so this this one happens in the in the following episode after so, after they have. So left. we've moved beyond. Episode five. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be on episode five. We're going to be episode six. It's, it's, it's up to six now. Right. right. And what go. you'll find with this one, and uh, Evan uh, did the vocals for this again. Uh, once again, the, the music is magically created. There is no orchestra backing. It doesn't... Uh, uh, what's this? It doesn't arrive with the Welsh Police and the Harry Orchestra in time to sing a love song. So that doesn't happen at all. Um, mm-hmm. the, this is purely magical um, music that is backing Finrod as he is doing his his uh, orc disguise spell, and you will hear very strong similarities between what we've just what he sings and what we've just heard Luthien sing. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, they were doing very similar things. It's to do with disguise. It's to right. do, but and and uh, Luthien is is channeling the power of Este. Finrod is channeling a different Valar's power. See if you can pick it. Okay. All right. Cloud the eyes from seeing, stop the ears from hearing, dim the minds perceiving as we pass. Cloud the eyes from seeing, stop the ears from hearing, dim the minds perceiving as we pass. 
Fair to foul be our outward appearance, foul to fair will our true selves be hid. We will walk among them, hearts will not be shaken, servants of the dark foe. We will walk among them, hearts will not be shaken, servants of the dark foe we will see. interesting effect there at the end the end is the the end is the sort of the moment when the 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 magic is sort of taking effect visually probably um probably earlier than that um but i wanted to get across there are multiple voices there so i've come in and loaned vocals to that section as well to give you the impression that it's that at that point it's not just finrod who is exerting uh, power and but his companions and there are 10 other elves there they all have magical abilities so they're loaning their voices to the spell and reinforcing it with it's sort of like a like a meta concert um a, mm-hmm. men, a mental meta concert if anyone's familiar with that term from term from julian may um so so that was what i was trying to get across it's this sort of reinforced there 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 are lots of voices holding this spell in place as they as they travel mm-hmm. did anyone pick the valor and this is related to your conversation with nick on this episode and the what what is actually happening at this moment and the fact that they're not they haven't actually changed into orcs right and the words lend hints as to what is actually happening cloud the eyes from seeing dim mm-hmm. the ears from hearing um dim the yeah um, um sorry no yep yep so it's all talking about the senses of the people who are experiencing them not not right. them themselves if the spell is happening to the other people so like a bubble as they go through this bubble surrounding them right and so the valor who is most to do with showing people things that aren't really there Erimo yay (laughs) (laughs) which is a beautiful correspondence to Este in Luthien's song yes yes exactly exactly So, so yeah, in the background, that's the, I think the clarinet is playing ba-ba-ba, 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 da-da-da, da-da-da, da-da-da. So it's all playing all the way through the background. So so this is this is what this spell is doing. It's not affecting them because there is that scene where Burren looks down and, and looks at him, looks at himself and says, mm-hmm. is, is this working? And right. say, yes, it is working. It's affecting the the orcs that we are going to come across. They are they are not going to see something different to what to what is really here. Right, right. <clears throat> yeah, and as uh, Megan was pointing out, that you know, uh, really loving how the how similar the melody is to Luthien's yep. song. You can you can really you can really hear that. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Though I I like how the it um, 
how it drops into sort of shifts into like more and more dissonant intervals and things at the end as you're as you're um you know as the words are talking about the servants of Morgoth and the you know the shift from from fair to foul um yep. it then uh inserts a good deal more dissonance into the Mm-hmm. Into the melody. Yeah, yeah, I think I've I have used a lot of clashing notes there, sort of first and second notes, which um, mm-hmm. which are right next to each other, um, and once again, lots of uh, violin string harmonics. I think all of the like both first, second violins and violas are doing harmonics uh, to give it that otherworldly, creepy feeling. Um, the harp is just doing a ba 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 just all the way through. So mm-hmm. once again, it gives that feeling of there's there's something intricate is is happening here mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. this this time. And once again, when the when the power comes in, we get the we get the we get the deeper the the deeper instruments lending their voices to get across the idea that something powerful is is happening there. Yeah, yeah. I like the idea of the the way as you said at the end it's kind of getting passed on to the other voice you know to like the multiple voices coming at the end um sort of indicating that like their own wills are involved also in kind of maintaining that as well and that was that that's a it's a it's a neat effect again just another wonderful way to kind of suggest something Mm. right um that uh we don't have to talk about or say anything about right in the actual uh in the actual script That's right so there there is one final one but before we go on to that i just wanted to say that's sort of that's as far as i had progressed through the season uh, mm-hmm. as as i said i was very busy before christmas um and and december and january with with writing my my osmuth presentation which took up a lot of time, and uh, so the collaboration has continued. Um, so, I've, so, I've I was worked say, closely so, so, with with Alana. Alana and I have pretty much mapped out the song battle, um, yeah. And so, so the song battle, we've we've we sort of worked out the worked out the timing uh, and the and the the, the, the meter. Uh, so, so I've just got to write a song. That's that. That's really. Awesome. I was just gonna. I was um, just gonna point so, out that basically, yeah, just... when you're talking about your Osmo presentation, you're saying like, so you know, it, it took me a little while to compose the Ina Lindelay, right? So I had to, you know, it's, yeah, yeah, no well, shock. It wasn't, it wasn't all of the. Ina I know it wasn't the whole Ina Lindelay. I know, I know. Yeah, and I and I and I I don't think I'll put that up on YouTube until sort of I'm closer to publishing the the second half mm-hmm. but pretty much it, it was everything up to the music is about to begin and yes. and as I said at the time most most commentators uh, totally ignore or almost totally ignore those first three to four paragraphs and they just leap straight into hey we're into the music when a mm-hmm. lot of significant stuff happened before then yes um, so so but I just wanted to say, yep, that's that's the last of my pieces. Um, I will continue to work on the song battle. I'll continue to work on uh, and collaborate with Alana, with Dylan, uh, who's who's uh, working on um, other things, including the song before Mandos, uh, Luthien's song before before Morgoth. We've got Diron's song in the wilderness. Um, sorry, Burren's song in the wilderness. Which thank you, Nick, for putting in my request that it be sung by Diron. Um, and have that 
comparison between the two. So mm-hmm. really, so I, I, yeah. I saw that love that juxtaposition in the episode. Yeah. Yep, yep. I yeah. thought that as being a really important musical part of that. So I will still continue to work on those on those things, and happy to come back during season seven. And we do need those filler episodes to allow the script team as much time as they need. <laughs> yes, right. Because they've been doing even more work than me, I reckon. So yeah. So no, happy, I'm sure happy to we will back. have. We will have occasions we can where we can do one or maybe even two more music episodes, uh, you know, because there is a really very very great deal of music in season six. Um, wonderful. Well, this has been this has been great. I mean, you know, Phil, I just think, of course, in some part. Um, I mean, I was—I was just going to say. I mean, I think that the work that you've done here for season six is—is—is—is is, is, is really the, the the best that we've seen in some film so far. It's kind of, as I say, the sort of an advantage that you have, right? Because you're able to build off all of the, you know, before we were, you know, you were kind of establishing individual elements, right? It was, you know, for the first couple seasons, it was like listen to this cool theme, <laughs> right? Um, but now. Uh, we're really being able to take advantage of that and weave this stuff together as you've been doing. Um, and I, I think that's just, it's just, it's just delightful. So, um, yeah, yeah, it would be fun. I look forward to the day. I look forward to the day and I don't know when it would be able to happen when we can have like a scored reading of, of an episode, right? I mean, come on. That would be amazing to be able to have a full score uh, behind uh, a reading of, uh, of an episode. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yep. We'll, we'll, that would we be good. We will aim for that. We will aim for that. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, our, our final uh, song is a contribution from Evan. And this is looking forward. This is looking forward to the end of season six. So that's why I wanted to present it here. It's a demo that Evan put put, put up. I think it's wonderful. And it would be a perfect song for end credits. Mm. And and I think that would be worthwhile working towards. We could actually put, put like a full cast list in end credits, full cast list. Exactly <laughs> <laughs> like who's in charge of special effects. I thought about <laughs> it. All when I was that, putting so. the video together, I really it I was <laughs> I was very tempted to do a kind of a scroll. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. We will we will do that. So 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 this is just a demo. Um, I'm, uh, hap- we'll take it away and work on it. And Megan, we would love you to sing this because it is from Luthien's point of view. And this would be the, the, the final song as the credits roll at the end of episode 13 um, of season six, sung, sung by Luthien. Yeah. Uh, so we'll work on that. We'll get it, we'll get it orchestrated and, uh, and get Megan to sing it. And it will be fantastic. Excellent. Excellent. Evan, anything you want to give as context uh, for this before we listen? Um, Sure. This started as uh, uh, in the episode 13 script, Nick sort of threw out this song uh, that was not included in in any of our discussions uh, and just like a loaded hand grenade, just tossed it right (laughs) in our laps. Uh, And this was my first crack at that piece and trying to to put some words into that uh and as i sort of wrote it uh was writing it it started to feel less like uh 
words that that Luthien was saying herself in that moment, it didn't feel right. It felt too contemporary and it felt too personal uh, mm-hmm. to me. Uh, and so it sort of then transitioned into this is just uh, me sort of taking uh, bits from uh, three specific stages of Baron and Luthien's story uh, and sort of putting them all into one one contemporary piece. So excellent. All right, let's uh, let's listen. through the dark hid from sky and star
I love that as an end credit song. Um, I love the three-part movement of this. The um, the thing that's that I find so powerful about the overall shape of this song as it's written is that it moves um, on the one hand it so it it starts in sweetness and daytime right in the first stanza um, and then it descends into evil and darkness and the weight and the dim right um, and you kind of think it's going to come out of that, right? Back into the light at the end, but instead it gets darker, right? It go, and yet, overlaid with that in the end is the the deeper hope of the wait for me, right? I mean, and so in that way, it really, um, uh, it really follows. I think of like Sam's characterization of it, right? Like the journey into darkness and beyond, right? Um, uh, which is different. Darkness and beyond is different from like darkness and then back into light, right? Um, it's uh, the you know the 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 that sense of um, you know the juxtaposition of grief. I mean, the words of the last verse are all of grief, right? Um, as I said, it's like bright to dim to dark. Um, but wait for me, right? Um, and the way in which that phrase is freighted with um, the the hope of the end of the escape, you know, uh, from bondage, um, but without losing a bit of the grief, right? Is uh, is really is really powerful. Thank um, you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this was really, really fun for me to write. Uh, and I think why it felt more like an end credit song than uh, an actual in the story piece right. Right. is because a lot of all of these verses are pieces of the script. They're moments from the scripts that that we've all, you know, uh, read together and edited together. Um uh, specifically, the verse verse two is from a moment in Katrin's uh, episode ten script, mm -hmm. where uh, Baron and Luthien are descending into Angband and they just sit and hold each other for a minute, and that was so powerful of a moment to me uh, that it sort of defined the rest of the piece. Um, and my typical style would be light to dark to light. Uh, what was fascinating to me as I sort of wrote that third verse was that as I expected it to come back into hope, so did Luthien. And that's mm -hmm. why it's such a powerful movement is because that was supposed to be the happy ending, but it's not. Uh, right. And then right. to kind of let the wait for me feel like a genuine outcry of, that's all that I have left. This is the only next step. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this was it, a, it, a fun one. It even captures, in a sense, um, there is something, I mean, we talked about this, you know, at various points in the 
episodes, but um, there's a sense in which the Baron and Luthien story always feels unresolved because we don't really get to see what it means, right? We don't like we're we're told some things about what happened, and we can see, but but um, we don't. The way in which Baron and Luthien they make she makes her choice, they are brought back to Middle Earth, and we never see him again. <laughs> right? We like all other mortals never, never, never speak with Baron again. Um, and so the way that you've ended that with the question, how can one endure when the heart has died? Um, a, a question which isn't answered, right? You know, the song doesn't end just as the song, it song doesn't emerge out of the darkness. It's, you know, light to dim to dark. Um, it asks the question, right? And, and even the way that the wait for me, again, invokes those things without, um, without, without giving the answer. Right. Is I get that, that that in that way that felt very um very similar to that kind of movement at the end of the story. It's not that he's trying to leave it vague, it's not that exactly he's trying to but we don't get to experience the ending in the same way that we've experienced the whole story up through there. And so there is that sense in which we're kind of left with a question. Just as I think I mean, as we talked about at the very beginning, it seems to me that in one sense the question of like in what sense is this story ultimately like along the way? Sure. You can see how escape from bondage is a motif right throughout the whole thing. But in what sense is at the end of the day, the story of Baron and Luthien, the story that you would say, this is the story of escape from bondage. How? And, you know, and, there, and I think that Tolkien has kind of left that to us in some really powerful way. He, he has Tolkien is often very willing to not spell stuff out. Right. You know, and just to, to leave that there. But the way that he does that, I think, in such a powerful way at, with the ending or sort of the non ending of this um, of this story, which is like the central core story of the whole legendarium. Right. Is really anyway, I'm, what I'm saying is I, I think that the end of your song really, really, really. Um, well, it's hard to say captures that because like captures the thing that can't be captured, like but but really kind of pushes us in that same direction at the end. And I think that's really, I think it's really effective. It's on theme. Musically, it's unresolved as well. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, we don't, we don't go back to the one. I feel very similarly uh, to you, Phil, about resolutions. Uh, And in this song, uh, there is so much story that happens after this song ends. Um, But the reason why I don't, go into a verse four is because uh, this is all that Luthien was banking on. This was all she knew for sure was just wait for me. I don't know what happens next, but just wait for me. Uh, And so to just leave it on that four was, uh, it felt right. Yeah. 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 So artists, we're going to need artists. I'm envisaging end of return of the King, like a sketch of each, person that we've cast dressed as the character (laughs) and we'll do the credits roll yeah (laughs) that's right and all we need is is little sketches of scenes so 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 for the middle verse because it's dark they can all be scenes of ang band like the first Mm -hmm. one can be the background can be doria then ang band then then the forest and the the dead wolf for the for the final verse 
Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So artists, we're going to need artists for this. This is, this uh, is yeah. a big thing. For sure. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. This is always is has been so wonderful. Not just this episode, but of course this whole season as well. Um, always so much fun to talk about music, uh, Phil. I feel like it's a special treat that we get to look forward to uh, th- the fact that we're like not even actually halfway through the season as far as the music is concerned. So there is much, much more to come, and that's really exciting to think about. Evan, thank you so much for your contributions. Loved your uh, uh, loved your singing. Loved your 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 songs these are really a marvelous uh a marvelous contribution so thanks so much for that um and uh yeah so looking forward to more of that thanks to everybody who has contributed our wonderful script team our uh our wonderful uh, artists and everybody else who has come together to make film film such a wonderful um such a wonderful project it has been so delightful uh to see this project grow over the years and i will be um excited to see what comes next as we move forward into season seven now we're going to take a, a break between now and then um uh, there's some things we're going to be adjusting and kind of thinking through um, as we're doing, you know, we're going to kind of be transitioning some things and stuff. But um, so we're looking at September, um, somewhere around Bilbo's birthday uh, for the beginning of season seven is what we're is what we're planning on. So um, we will uh, we'll have a party of special magnificence for session one of season seven, probably around the appropriate time of the year. Um uh, September 21st is the date we are eyeing for that. There's a chance that might change, but that's the date that we're eyeing at this point. So um, looking forward to that because, I mean, hey, who's not excited to get right to the near night Arnoidiad, right? So um, it's this is what we've all been looking forward to, <laughs> I think. Um, anyway, it's going to be awesome. So uh Thanks, everybody. Uh, uh, special thanks to uh, to Nick and Marie for all the work. You know, Marie is, um, does all of our slides and all of our planning. Marie's the one who really makes this whole thing uh, run and operate. Uh, so thank you so much, Marie, for the work that you do in keeping everything running. Well, I certainly didn't do anything for this session. <laughs> so thank you guys for giving me a break. But, you made the PowerPoint fancy. You did make the PowerPoint. I, uh, partially. He mostly made it. I just kind of cleaned it up a little. To... You sent me the Zoom link so good. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. This is but what no, I was going to say. Uh, she makes everything work. Like, this is yeah, what we do. No, thank thank yeah. you. Obviously, it's, uh, yeah. it's my pleasure to be part of this. And. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And 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 my, me me as well. I mean, this is. I, I sometimes think that I prob- maybe would may not have be started to write music if it wasn't for the film film project. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm growing so much in my musical compositions, uh, and I'm I'm happy to pr- produce music that people like to listen to. And I'll I, this will keep me in business till the end of my days. <laughs> I think so. I think we can pretty much all say that, I think. Uh, I yeah. say, yeah, that is definitely your uh, long-term projects, Corey, is, uh, it is. <laughs> keeping it us is. all occupied forever and ever. That's on the season six wrap t-shirts, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Exactly. 
Awesome. Well, thank you, everybody. Thanks again for this episode. Thanks for season six uh, and another wonderful time uh, talking about the Silmarillion. Looking forward to the Near Ninth Arnordiad next year in a couple months. And I will say, as always, thanks for listening and Godspeed.